we have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of the new life. For since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death, I'm going to switch again. Where did it go? Thank you. Verse 5, for since we are permanently grafted into him to experience a death like his, then we are permanently grafted into him to experience a resurrection like his and the new life that that imparts. I'm not even going to have to preach. I just, I mean, it's amazing. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? You ever have that? I love in Isaiah. I didn't look it up before this, but I love in Isaiah where it says, you know, the former masters that used to rule us try to come back, but they're like powerless ghosts. Like these things used to haunt you. These things used to follow you. These things used to, used to be after you, but they have become just like powerless ghosts. Like you, you may see the uh, image, the form, and the shape, but there is no power in that thing. That is in the past, and it is gone. Why? Because the blood of Jesus takes away your sins, removes them as far as the east is from the west. In other words, if you could go to the east and you just keep going east, 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 you will never reach the west. That's how much power God has to remove our sins from us, and he has done it. And he said, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions, and I will not remember your sins for his own sake. He said, for my sake. Like, in other words, when he sees you, he doesn't want to think about you've done bad things or you've messed up this. Like, you know you don't want to think about it. He doesn't want to think about it. In other words, when he, you come to him and you receive that forgiveness and that cleansing of sins, he's saying, I'm taking them as far away from you as possible, that they are no longer part of your life, that it is like you have never sinned before, so that my relationship with you can be as close as possible. In other words, there's nothing between us. Like the, 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 the one time in 18 years, 17 years, when we have fought, Just that one time, you know, you can kind of tell that until you resolve that, there's something between you. Like, you're, you're like, you know, you're a believer, so you can't get really, like, too far out there, but you maybe walk the line as far as you can. Like, I'm not going to talk to you. Okay, well, I'll talk to you, but I'm not really going to, like, open up to you. Right? Just that one time? Just, you know, it's not just that one time, but... <laughs> But you know, you have a relationship with someone, and when there's something, uh, a bad seed in that relationship, it's like, you know, you don't want to give the devil a foothold. My, my wife, before we even got married, she loved to quote to me the scripture, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I say, what happens if we have an argument after the sun went down? Can I wait? Now, she would always, she'd always remind me of that. <laughs> and it is the scripture, and it's very true, that you just don't let that stuff hang out there because that stuff will breed like mold. 
Like you leave some mold somewhere or some mildew, and that stuff will start multiplying the more moisture it gets, and it becomes problemsome. Then it starts to stink, and it starts to destroy, and it can actually ruin your health, mess you up. And so uh, you don't allow that. And so, are you laughing at me? Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, I'm reading verse 7, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. He, he took the power of death from him who had the power of death, which was the enemy. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once and for all. That means he died that one time for all mankind. Jesus, in you know, wonderful prayer in John chapter 17 where Jesus is praying to his father, God, Jehovah God. And he's praying. At the end of that prayer, he said, Lord, I'm not just asking this for these only, but all that would believe through what they have said. That's talking about us. That prayer never ends. And you're, if, you, if you yield to it, you're a recipient of that prayer. And he's praying uh, for you, prayed for you whether you receive it or not. But if you receive it, it becomes a reality in your life. For he has vanquished death and its power over him. It's finished. For by his sacrifice, he died to sin's power once for all. But now he lives continually for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal. Dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal. Normally, you don't want to be unresponsive. Like you want to respond to the Spirit of the Lord. You want to respond when someone's talking to you. But to sin's appeal, you're to consider it that you are dead like a dead man. And a dead man's not getting back up. He's dead. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. Sin is a dethroned monarch, so you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life, controlling how you live and compelling you to obey its desires and cravings. So then refuse to answer its call, to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as the one who has now experienced resurrection life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. Remember this, sin will not conquer you, for God already has. You are not governed by law, but governed by the reign of of the grace of God. You are not governed by the law, but you are governed by the reign of the grace of God. Isn't that good? That is passion translation. 
and it's a mighty translation. But if you look in the New Testament, uh, there's like 27 times in the New Testament that it talks about baptism, and it uses the Greek word baptismo, which means immersion or full immersion. And there are three baptisms mentioned in the New Testament, actually four baptisms if you count John's baptism. But there are three types of baptism mentioned in the New Testament. And uh, the first one is being baptized into the body of Christ or taken out of uh, the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light that you're actually baptized into Christ Jesus. And then there is the baptism in water which is what we're getting ready to do right here. And the baptism in water is you are immersed in water. So somebody asked me what's going to happen, one of the people being baptized. I don't remember who it was. And I said, well, we're going to take you in the, in the pool, and then you're going to go underwater. And they said, oh, underwater? I said, yes, all the way underwater. <laughs> uh, there's a pastor at the Church of Michigan where we used to be. He would always joke. He's like, and I would like you to leave your, take your purse or your wallet into the pool with you so that you also give that to the Lord, <laughs> right? You're doing a demonstration of what happened to you on the inside when you accepted Christ, that you're saying, this is a brand new life, right? <laughs> and he would also say, uh, during the time of giving, he'd also say, I want you to trade, uh, pass your wallet or your purse to the person sitting next to you, and I want you to give like you've always wanted to. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then there, the third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, after he was baptized in water, remember he, when he got out uh, after John baptized him, he came up, and that's when the Holy Spirit came upon him and uh, you know, uh, uh, descended in the form of a dove. So that's when the Holy Spirit came on him. And you see in the book of Acts, uh, multiple cases where people, after they were baptized in water, they were just filled with the Spirit. So if you're going to get baptized in water this morning, you've never been filled with the Spirit, just look to the Lord on the inside. You may just come out of the water, you know, full of the Spirit at the same time. But the waters, these waters are just regular water. We got it out of the uh, kitchen back over there. And it's, uh, 99 degrees. So it's not going to be too cold. A normal hot tub is like 104 degrees. And so it's warm water. That's just to put those that are being baptized at ease. <laughs> but that's normal water. But what baptism is, it is it is a public profession or declaration or a confession that you're saying, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, and I'm not living for myself anymore. And like we just read in Romans from the Passion Translation, it, we are buried with him in baptism. It's probably the most vivid picture you could get of what happens when you accept Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and as your Savior. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Sometimes as believers, we say, well, all things have passed away, but we don't like take much time to behold the new things. Well, what happens? When I, when I learned to drive, and my daughter, uh, I mean, she's getting close. She's like, Dad, can I drive? Like, so good on the driveway. And she's like, can I sit on your lap and drive? And so I'm like, well, in the driveway, okay, but our driveway's all downhill, so it's kind of challenging. <laughs> I said, don't hit the gas. <laughs> but when I was learning to drive, you know, they say, you look down the road. Don't look right in front of you. 
you look down the road because wherever you look, you're going to go. Well, I remember I was driving about 45 miles an hour on a, a main road that would come to our a little subdivision road where we lived. And I had my first experience with not doing that that I remember. And what I did is I, I, I leaned down and I, um, t- to turn the radio either up or down or do something with the radio. And um, you know, we didn't have these things where you can talk to them. You had to actually do it. And so, so I like reached down and it was to my right. And so what do you think happened? I went where I was looking, I went to the right, and I almost went off the road and hit this tree, and it really woke me up, you know, and I thought, how can I simulate that experience for my children in a safe way? <laughs> but where you look is where you're, where you're going to go, what your focus is on, and so uh, behold, all things are made new. So all things have become new in Christ Jesus, but if you don't look at those things, and you're looking at things of the past from your old man, the one that's dead and buried with Christ, that sin no longer has dominion over you because that man is dead and buried. If you go back to there and you yield yourself, Paul said, you're slaves to the one who you obey. So one of the greatest tragedies of being a believer is being a believer and not living like it. Look into the past. So when you pass through the waters, it is a declaration I'm leaving my past in these waters. So these waters are filthy when you get done. Because you're leaving your past behind, you are declaring, I am serious about the things of God, and I want the whole world to know it. Like Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to them that what? Believe. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith... It is impossible to please God. You can't do it. Not improbable or unlikely, but not even possible to please God. So Jesus commanded us to be baptized. So when you're coming to be baptized this morning, you are honoring what the Lord said, and it is an act of faith. Your faith is expressed in your actions, and your actions are what you do and what you say. You say, no, I'm honoring that. So that pleases God. Well, you can't please God and not know it. When you please God, something happens in your heart and something happens in heaven and you find out you make a connection with God and the power of God flows through that connection. Just like if, you know, they have a little heater over here and I don't know if we had enough uh, extension cords to plug it in, but if that thing is not plugged in, that has the potential to heat you up just by, you know, you stand in front of it. It's a radiator one. So you stay, has the potential to heat you up, but without being plugged into the power source, that thing's not going to heat anybody. In fact, I feel a cold breeze. <laughs> it doesn't need to be plugged in now. <laughs> well, the same thing, if you don't plug into God, he is the source of all power, and how do you receive from him? He watches over his word to perform it. So for us, it's just a matter of doing his word. You do his word. He's like, look, they're doing my word. Well, Christ is the word. In the beginning was the word. The word was flesh and lived among us. And we beheld him. We saw him. So when you behold and when you see the word of God and what you have become, like Paul said, it's like looking into the mirror, which is the perfect law of liberty.
And you begin to see change after change after change from glory to glory were changed by the Lord himself. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I, I want to invite you that there is a new life that you can have a fresh start, a life literally in the Word of God, it says it's a life that's never existed before, that your slate can be wiped clean and pure and holy. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, he, he must be received. It's not automatic. It's not, um, it's not that you do good things to get to God. It's because you have received him, his life has come inside of you, and that produces good things. But you have to come just the way you are. And when you come just the way you are with all your junk, you go away without all of your junk because Jesus takes it from you. If you're here this morning and you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Jesus, Jesus is awesome. He will change your life. He gives you purpose in life. He gives you love. He gives you his very life and his very nature. What sustains him will sustain you. He made it through every test, every trial, every temptation, and that same power he wants to give to you. He said, I, the reason I even came was so you would have real abundant life. If, if you'd like to receive that kind of life this morning, slip up your hand. God loves you so much. Hallelujah. Uh, number two, if you're here this morning and uh, you've received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, but you let the things of the earth uh, draw you, your attention away from the Lord and you've kind of slid back into those things and you believe in your heart, you need to come back and get right with God. Is your heart right with God? Check your heart. What's the condition of your heart? If you'd like to come back this morning, just slip up your hand. He'll see you from far off and he'll just say, you know, here, let's kill the fatted calf. Let's get the robe and the ring, and you're right back in right standing. If that's you this morning, slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for each and every person here. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and powerful, sharper than any instrument that man could make, that your word divides soul and spirit. And Father, we receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.